is a is a candy ghost full of boogit. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 218 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast we do. Isn't it 17? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was 218. Maybe. Uh, Currently, 217 was War Games for nine years, so it's 218, buddy. Huh. Well. Yeah. The file that you gave me said 216. It is because we recorded one in Arizona that wasn't on there, and you incremented... So you're saving this one as 217. I am. Well, this is real confusing. It's this is going to really anyway. confuse the historians. It is. Speaking of which, should I tell you about my uh, my friend I know that recorded this weird series of podcasts between like 2006 and 2011 that he never played for anybody? <laughs> I don't actually want to do that. <laughs> we had a whole we had a whole thing, but involved fart noises. It'd be really confusing and really spoilery. And Jim asking me to stop putting farts into all of his podcasts. <laughs> and me saying, no, Jim. No. No, I will not. Uh, it's getting to be real tedious editing all the farts into Train Hot Dog every time. I could start actually just eating really gassy food beforehand. Can I'm you fart you on it. command when you, when you feel the need? I usually have at least some degree of control of it, yeah. Okay. You can not fart. Yeah. I mean, if you just always, if you always eat beans, A-E-B, A-B-E-B, <laughs> always be eating beans. Also, A-B-B. A-B-B. A-B-B-Gota. Uh, anyway, this is a gross conversation, and I don't want to keep having it. <laughs> How have you guys been? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. I've been, I've been drawing Halloween costumes on Pokemans. Oh, yeah. I've been well, seeing one, that on your One class. particular Pokemon, yeah. Are you doing that as a daily uh, October activity, Riff? Yes. Ink Inktober. Yes. Whooper. What is? What is a what is that a whooper? Is that what Pokemon a, that is? A whooper. Yes. What's true of whooper? Uh, he is a water type. Uh, he is my favorite Pokemon. Why? Uh, because I'll tell you, it's well, basically because he's just very cute. But the the thing that first attracted me to him is in the game in which he first shows up i forget which one it is i think it's like pokemon silver maybe oh so this isn't one of the original 151 no no he's like 194 i think um in in uh pokemon silver whichever one it was was the first one that started having the uh the pokemon be kind of animated on the on the fight screen and all the all the rest of the monsters, you know, you summon them into the field and they appear and they make a sort of growly noise and wave their arms or whatever, but they're facing away from you looking at the enemy. Wooper is the only one that when you send him out, he will turn around and look back over his shoulder at you as if to say, are, are you sure about this, boss? Huh. <laughs> and I always just thought it was completely adorable because he's just like this little salamander thing that's maybe like eight inches tall and has no arms <laughs> and you're sending it out to fight like dragons and shit and he's like uh okay he's got those spiky <laughs> antler things and all those cool costumes that's true that's so true. he's a master I, of disguise so, some yes true yeah he is a master of disguise and some of these costumes have swords so i think i'm giving him uh, a little bit more of an so advantage does he check way. in with you like as an idle animation or is it when you issue commands it's it's just when you first summon him into the arena okay yeah yeah. Yep. Anybody else doing anything where they draw things on things? I'm not. 
it's it's a it's a lovely Halloween tradition riff, but uh, but I can't I can't bring myself to choose just one Pokemon to uh, okay. to that, favor. That, you love them all equally. That's understandable. I can. I, I love can. all Pokemon equally, which is to say, I love them all basically zero because I don't have any particular feelings about Pokemon's. I was around some kids uh, this past weekend, and uh, they were playing a bunch of Minecraft and uh, watching a bunch of Pokemon. Cartoons. Watching Pokemon. Yeah, like the cart, the anime mm. stuff. Oh, gotcha. Um, I've only ever seen one episode of the cartoon, but it was probably, I'm guessing, the weirdest one. Oh, because yeah? it had a very long scene of just two of the Pokemon talking at each other, very, very seriously and emotionally. But of course, all they say is their own name. So it was just like a minute long scene of Pika, Pika, Pika. Bulbasaur just and it went on forever and it was the most insane thing I've ever seen on it's like that fuck scene in the wire (laughs) that's pretty good I've wondered like in the Pokemon mythos it is weird to me that like it is their their names are both the names of the species and the names of each individual one as far as I can tell are there do you ever see like more than one Pikachu um they yeah they do exist uh, and, and actually in that particular episode, uh, there were a whole bunch of Bulbasaurs. So. Okay. So it's no, they're not actually characters. Yeah. They, and like in the, in the game, they, you can totally have more than one of yeah, each one. Yeah. And they, they are, they are individual ones because these, they, these two particular ones are like, this is Ash's Pikachu and Ash's Bulbasaur. And that's how they're identified <laughs> as right. individuals. I mean, and of course, in the game, you can give them your own nicknames if you want. Right. Do they then become Fuckface the Pikachu, or? I mean, I guess it, it, the the game doesn't really refer to them in, individually, because once, once they're... Yeah, in, it would just use their name, like, yeah, in the label just, and in, like, the yeah, Fuckface, I choose you. Right, exactly. Is there a Pokemon called Ermac? Is there noob? Is there a noob Cybot? <laughs> There's Riff Gengish Khan. You're, you're blowing up. I'm just Wait, no, Kangish Gun. That was the joke. That's like noob Cybot. Okay. What In you- that it's a. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to explain that. Huh. Well, and I'm not going to get it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's 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 like rearranging the letters in words. Okay. I don't, wait, it's what? just one of those things. What's that have to do with Kangaskhan? I don't. Uh, it's it's a pun on Genghis Khan. Isn't oh, okay. It? I I I guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that one always <laughs> puzzled me. I only just recently realized that Geodude was a pun on Geode. Geocities. Oh, oh. Yeah, because I it, assumed it's it was a, a circular rock. A pun on oh. Geoduck, which is like a like a kind of a clam what it's gooey duck or something it's like a kind of clam or kind of oyster i suppose that might also be true but the the, that monster doesn't look anything like that well it looks like it doesn't look like a rock it doesn't look like an oyster with a penis dragging out of it like those oysters do oh whoa yeah they do i did not know what one of those things looked like that's horrifying Show the listeners, Zach. It really has a penis dragon. <laughs> Just search for Geoduck. And there's like, it's like spewing liquid. What is... <laughs> yeah, the Pacific gooey duck. Gross. 
<clears throat> so there was a there was a series of books, maybe like young adult books, and maybe a cartoon, like series or or movie about uh, a series of like creatures that only had one word that they could say, and I cannot remember what it was. It's not Smurfs, obviously, uh, but it was like Ugg or fuck something it was like a short three three letter thing no it was she it was the, the one of the poem about the the poet eating lion 10 lions in the stone den no no that wasn't it okay uh was it the tweet about a guy being forced by his dad to smoke an entire pack of wolves <laughs> that was pretty good <laughs> no that's that is pretty good uh Guys, this is great. I remember yeah. <laughs> reading about uh, a hypothetical CPU that would only have one instruction. What was that instruction? It was um, subtract, subtract and branch if negative. Okay. So you could... Is that Turing complete? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> and the interesting thing that I, I thought... What I thought was interesting about it was that meant that like when you were writing a program, you would never actually type the instruction. You just type the parameters. <laughs> so hmm. it would just be a text file with a bunch of numbers in it. I mean, all programs are effectively just text files with a bunch of numbers in them. Because it's if you're oh man, you're binary. ruining it for me. Well, they're like oh, hex no. files with a bunch of numbers in them. Oh, right? but like, you can reduce that to binary, right? So that's all. Yeah, oh. but then it's not text. If it's a binary file. It's not a text file, buddy. It could be a text file. It <clears throat> right. The the point that all programs are actually just a bunch of numbers still stands, and it still ruins it for me. Oh, even I'm sorry. If, yeah. Even if in, t in text format, it's, well, good as long as Kevin, as long as Kevin has fucked up a thing that was making you happy, <laughs> yeah. then our work here is done. Uh, maybe my happiness will transfer onto the listeners. Do you guys want to uh, answer some mail from the listeners to see if we can take away some of their happiness? Naturally. All right. Pedant says people are always mis people always misunderstand the definitions of sentient and sapient. They use sentient when they mean sapient. Zach, yes, a smoke detector is sentient because it has senses or at least assents. Sapient means having thought. I, what I said was conscious. In regards to... That I believe that a smoke detector has, is rudimentarily conscious. Uh -huh. I was not aware of the distinction between those two words. No, I wasn't either, and I appreciate it. It wasn't really pedantic. Sapient is not a word that I think of using at all. Yep. And I think, like, sentient is what they said on Star Trek to differentiate between things that were alive and not, right? Or self-aware. Jay says, what are your thoughts on Amazon Underground? The apps are totally free to the end user, including in-app purchases, and the developer gets paid by Amazon .0002 cents per hour the user plays or uses the app. I don't even know what this is. I've never heard of it. Yeah, me either. Those are all of our thoughts on it. All of our thoughts on it are, huh? <laughs> what? Uh, is, is this, like, an Android thing? Must be. Yeah. Is Amazon, Amazon is pretty Android-y, right? Like, do there, does the Kindle run some flavor I of... I think so. I think some Kindles do, <coughs> the ones that are smartphones or tablets. Zeno says, your discussion of determinism and splat was interesting. A dice roll and craps in the weather next Tuesday are both based on laws and are deterministic but unpredictable. What are examples of unpredictability in a video game making it more fun? I think there's all kinds of things where unpredictability makes things more fun because you have to react to unpredictability. I can't think of any... Sp I mean, 
In Spelunky, the random generation of levels makes each level an interesting and fun platforming challenge. Whereas if it were just, I want to be the guy and to get better at it, you just had to memorize it instead of figuring out like it, it lets you do there. It lets you have the fun reactive play every time instead of just doing it until you get it into muscle memory. I feel like physics driven, (laughs) like bridge builder games, or for example, the incredible machine would be a lot duller if you could, look at a machine and predict what it did mm. and like loot drop rates and stuff like that those are fun it although the incredible machine is not there's no randomness cooked into that no it's just very chaotic yeah. like like actual physics yeah a uh, follow-up to the previous question regarding chess is the physical organ called the brain processing information resulting in chess moves deterministic or undeterministic and are you the player also deterministic or undeterministic indeterministic i don't know i mean i i think the player is deterministic. That's my take on it. Yeah, do you life. believe in free will? No. I do, but I can't justify the belief. I mean, I I also, like, it doesn't affect how, like, decisions that I make. Like, it would... Yeah, that's, just that's, like, that's kind of we're not how actually I here. Feel. Like, it, the, the question of whether or not we have free will is not really... It's not, it's not it's helpful. Important. Yeah. yeah, it, it, it yeah. it's, it's a source of depression for some people, so that sucks. But, or do whatever. but what if you decide to make that adorable Natalie Portman noise from Garden State? What noise is, is that? Is that what she did when she, she just wanted to do something that no one had ever done before, so she just made a stupid noise? It's like, oh, thanks, Natalie. Oh, right. Okay. That was adorable. I mean, in our work, we frequently write sentences into the chat that no one has ever written before. That's true. You can't but prove that, that all though. the time. You could prove it. <laughs> if you knew I mean, if you knew the starting conditions of the universe yeah, uh-huh. and believed that it was deterministic, then you could absolutely prove it. Although could you? I mean, because the the starting conditions of the universe would have to result in a machine that was capable of simulating the entire universe, uh-huh, uh-huh. which it, who knows if it will or not. If you assume that there's I mean, we do, more time will, left in the universe than has already happened, then it might be possible to prove that... Yeah, the all previous time. It could <clears throat> simulate all yeah. previous time in the time we have left. Yeah, that's possible. Well, it would still need to... It, all previous time constrained to Earth. Well, because then the computer would have to be bigger than Earth to fit that much information in it. Sure. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> but you could... What I'm saying is, like, you could do all all the universe previously in the future all the rest of the universe yes if you were simulating it in real time like just by making another one okay that would be another way to do it sure yeah we should get on that okay just also like if you guys i mean in order to bake an apple pie from scratch we first must (laughs) i really if you guys don't find this conversation completely insufferable you should go read that colored pill story i I linked to in the show notes i read that and i really enjoyed it yeah i love that i love that story i'll get on it it's it's not the one yeah. Drawing this map of Portland to two to one scale. <laughs> right. Why? It's not the one you linked to, Zach. <laughs> no, that was just the first thing. I just searched okay. for it and I yeah. linked to a GIF that was on somebody's blog that I knew was like, what? You know what I don't understand? I don't understand why the entire internet doesn't now make me angry in the way that Ebaum's world made me angry like 12 years ago. No, because you that's were, all the internet is. I think you were just a lot more capable of anger 12 years ago. You think so? Mm. I think that's probably what that it was, is. That was one person stealing other people's stuff and presenting it yeah. unattributed. Uh, yeah, as opposed to the entire internet just being a whirlwind of mostly computer-generated unattributed garbage. 
Yeah, I think, well, if it's computer generated, then it's harder to ascribe intention to it. Well, I'm saying computer curated, like, like the things you might like elsewhere on the web, you know, I mean, that's just basically a bunch of SEO content that I don't think anyone is choosing those things. Right. I think that there are just algorithms pulling data from other algorithms that are pulling data from Facebook. Yeah. And they're uh, somehow they're really good at getting high in Google search rankings. Yeah. Josh, who used to work writing for KOL, now writes marketing blogs for a company that does stuff like that. And it's like when I go to look at stuff that he's written, it's like, oh, he just lives on this weird version of the Internet that I have no idea how anything works. Like, is this a blog? Is that I don't get it. I don't know what anything is on the Internet anymore. You go to a website. What is it? I don't know, man. Have you guys seen the moments thing on Twitter? I heard. I've seen that lightning bolt briefly icon. And had no idea what it was. Yeah, I heard same. people in the office getting mad, and I looked at it, and it was like, here are six photographs, some of which are moving. So that that's like, sorcery. N- none of which are things <laughs> that are related to anything I care about. So, like, good job personalizing that. It, they were saying it's just Twitter's attempt to be like a news source yeah i mean i can launch the same day as some reddit news thing and also people were talking today about some new facebook product or feature that launched that i don't remember what it was called or know what it is it just appears to be like news about things that are not at all tailored to you (laughs) because i i clicked the tab open here on my monitor and it's got like Here's something about hockey, and here's something about a TV show you've never heard of and don't care about. Yeah. They seem know, to be the same for everyone. Yeah, so, like... Ooh, an Ultimate Paris Fashion Week recap. Guys. There yeah. has been, like, movement on Twitter towards mo- moving towards a more Facebook model where they will try to guess what you want to see instead of just showing you the timeline. And I would love for those guys to, like... Just put their stuff, like the stuff they invent, put it in this other tab that I never look at. Right. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Twitter is ever going to do away. And I, th- Facebook reports vary on whether Facebook has done away with the just show me everything in my feed in sequence. Is that definitely a thing you can't see? It, it just doesn't work. It, I mean, yeah. the, the, whatever whatever sequence it thinks it's doing is garbage. Because I think it's like most recently touched by another person is the the thing that's most recent, which is garbage. I do believe that they are doing that because the data shows that that is what people want. The data shows that that is what creates the most interaction. Even the people who like claim to want otherwise. Is that the idea? Those people are so few and so weird that they are irrelevant to what and, and Facebook yet is there is the most recent sorting option is presumably for them, but it doesn't really give you the most recent, right? So like, is it just that like, it's not worth the programmer time to cater to those people? I think there are not enough of those people. And so it's worth catering to the population and not assholes like us. I mean, maybe I, it feels like to me in a way that I don't actually feel this way about Facebook because I didn't start using Facebook until after that. The way that I imagine Facebook as a database application working is, I feel like probably the way that Facebook worked in 2005, right? But I didn't start using it until 2010 or something. And so it has always just been this insane thing that i don't 
I cannot imagine why or how it is choosing the things that it is choosing, except that their data shows that they will choose things that are likely to get people to interact, to mm-hmm. get people to comment, to get people to like, to get people to share. And then, th- like, I kind of wonder if they understand how the algorithms work or if they just, if they are just kind of letting a system learn how to tailor stuff to people. I mean, I'm sure that somebody there understands how those algorithms work, but like, oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it, I don't, I don't think, I, I, it's probably not like genetic, genetic computation. Right. But it probably is like there are so many people working on it that no one person actually understands it. Or no one person. I guess my the thing that I am curious about is, is there for any given criteria that Facebook uses to determine whether to show you a post or not? Is there an engineer that wrote that rule and understands it? Or did that rule just fall out of? Like, is there just some sort of like, do you, as a part of your Facebook metadata, have some like Bayesian word cloud that it thinks? Yeah, I mean, as far right? as I, I mean, know, it like, seems like what they, it seems like what you would do. Yeah, I'm I'm almost certain they take into account your preferences, like in a in a in a fuzzy way, um, and what your what they have determined your preferences to be based on what you've interacted with in the past, right? I remember this thing where you could go and it would say, this is, here's this spooky thing. This is what Google knows about you based on your Google history. And I went to it and because of working on Kingdom of Loathing for so long, like the things that I search for on Google are so fucked up that it just knew nothing about me. <laughs> it did not know my gender after like having used Google logged in for just 10 years. Doing pun it, like, research didn't even just know my gender. completely destroys the, their algorithm. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I don't. I'm certain that I have done Google searches that organically 99.9% of the time are done by women. And so that would be a weird data point. What do you mean organically? Like, what does it mean if one of your boobs is bigger than the other or something like that? Like something that this search 99.9% of the time when the search is being done by somebody who's actually asking this question of Google as opposed to like doing it to be funny or doing it to research a joke or something to, to take a gif of the autocomplete list sure <laughs> um oh god what does it mean when one testicle is bigger than the other two ah oh, that kid <laughs> you guys saw that picture right i did not notes. people were able to ask anonymous questions on little pieces of paper in this sex ed class and then the teacher scanned them and posted some of them online ah <laughs> oh, boy that kid's going places Anyway, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, somebody does, right? Or does somebody? That's my question. Like, it's more interesting to me if there is just this weird hive mind of computers at Facebook that no one understands how. I, I, I that's my model for how both corporations and societies in general work. Like, it's it, it. I do consider them to be a hive mind with only a vague sense of even its own intent. The most interesting thing to me about psychology, like research psychology specifically, is that like the ability to isolate and try to explain things that definitely happen in human yeah. interactions. Yeah. By like measuring yeah. them and manipulating them. Right. Like. 
that is why it is very difficult for me to think of psychology as like a soft science. Can you give an example? Um, no, not a specific one, but just, I mean, like measuring, like, I don't know, Kitty Genovese, right? Like if the more people there are in a group, the less likely it is that anyone will help someone. Right. Bystander effect. Yeah. And so like you can just set up experiments that make that the case. And like I remember being on a bus once and the bus driver like slammed on the brakes all of a sudden. And there was this guy who like fell out of his wheelchair and there were seven or eight of us standing around, like all looking at each other to figure out like, should somebody help this guy? Should somebody help this guy? And just nobody did. No one's helped him so far. I guess we don't really care. I guess like, or he maybe he doesn't want help or yeah. maybe like, I don't want to be the one to like draw attention to myself by helping this guy. And yeah. I'd like to think that if it had just been me and that guy on the bus, I would have said, Hey man, do you want a hand? I believe that. I think that's what, that yeah. Is and, and so, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know that you would have. I mean, clearly somebody figured out that that was a thing that was worth looking into and setting up the experiment. And you have to have like a hunch about it, right? Mm -hmm. The hypothesis, they might say. But yeah, I don't know. Having rules that fall out of chaotic but predictable things that happen in a system that you can then measure those rules. Among college Student among college students, yeah, among yeah, only, white, yeah, among white Western upper, upper to upper middle class, middle to upper middle class Western college students, yeah. yeah. What is it? <clears throat> There's an acronym for that that's weird. It's like white W E I. It's W E I R D. Yeah, I don't remember what. The W stands for white. <laughs> Educated, Indo-European, white, Epper, Ital. What is it? Western, educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic. Huh. Yeah. So I guess white is not in there, but I mean, you know, I participated in some psych experiments when I was 18. Did you intentionally disrupt them? No. Did you know what they were actually testing? Uh, no. Did they tell you you afterwards? No, actually. Yeah. So... I also wouldn't intentionally disrupt, like, I don't, this is also why I don't get real head up about surveillance. Like, I feel like the more information we have, the better we can make things. So I remember getting into this argument with my dad about how he was like super pissed that he got the long form of the census because he was like, this is none of your fucking business. I'm like, but they'll use this data to make better policy. Like what? What's the harm in knowing stuff about what the citizenry of the what? And he what just kind didn't. Of things do they ask? A lot of real detail on the long where form do you of the store census, all of your money? Yeah. yeah, like what kind of what kind of porn do you like? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not. I mean, the census isn't tied to your name or anything, right? Don't they omit that? Uh, it's supposed Maybe. to be anonymized, but yeah. you can you could probably reconstruct who yeah. it's, it's about. I don't know. I mean, you get these horror stories <clears throat> of like Target knows that that 16 year old girl is pregnant yeah. and her dad finds out because of that but like that's also pretty fucking impressive yeah. <laughs> that they figured that out and they probably sold her some diapers yeah. you know so everybody wins i mean i'm i to be perfectly honest i am totally down with 
Amazon knowing enough about what I like to suggest new things that I might like at me. Yeah, that's fine until you look at something weird and then weird shit shows up. Oh yeah, you for have to be time. careful. You have to yeah. like not click any links at sites like the weirdest things on the internet and things like I, that. I remember like in 2004 they rolled out a feature that linked um your Amazon purchases that just automatically posted your Amazon purchases to your Facebook profile. Huh. That's still an option. It's still well now now it's not uh opt out. It used to be that it was just like anything you bought on Amazon just automatically. I think a lot of that was Facebook tightening their APIs from just abusive Zynga games and stuff. Like it, they made it a lot harder for third-party things. Yeah, to I, I certainly post as you. Yeah, I have. I certainly haven't seen anything nearly that abusive since then. It's funny. I mean, whenever Roy's Twitter account is just like every first draft of every Instagram post that he makes with all the typos still in it, uh. because Twitter will you edit and it was set up to cross post. It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. That integration is goofy. Boy, the G-O-F, internet, guys. O-O-F. What does that stand for? <clears throat> Google. Google. Goo for Google. Google fucker. Yeah. Goofle. <laughs> yeah. Guys, have you played any video games? This is a video games podcast. Remember, oh, yeah. this is not a podcast about Facebook algorithms and determinism. Systems, and, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we really have no choice about what the fuck this podcast is about, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, but we have to make the, we have to perform as if we, we did have a choice. We still have to make the decisions. <laughs> you really, do you really think that it's, I understand why you say it's not an important question, but doesn't bother you at all? No, not really. I mean, if, if I'm, whether or not I'm fated to do something, I still have to do it, you know? I, I still, still, it still feels like you're making the decision. Yeah, exactly. I, I, even if I am fated to decide to eat hard boiled eggs for dinner instead of broccoli, I still have to stand in front of the fridge and (laughs) effectively pretend to decide which it's going to be. Either either way, you're you're setting yourself up for just a lifetime of farts. Yeah, basically. Like, okay. I, the thing, the thing that I think bothers me about it, and the thing that I think bothers a lot of people about it, is the idea that because, like, I feel like when I get depressed, the way that I stop being depressed is by actively deciding not to be depressed anymore and not acting like a depressed person anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like the idea that that is completely out of my control. Well, acting like a not depressed person actually is physiologically how you be not become depressed assuming it's not clinical depression no i know fake, but fake it till deciding you not to de- like mm-hmm. i feel like i'm deciding to do that i feel like sure. i am making choices and taking an active role but, uh-huh. and like i like when i walk around this city and well, i see all of the crazy people in this city and i think about man this would be a good place to go fucking nuts uh-huh. <laughs> like what, what, why do you mean what do you mean by good place to it go just nuts? would be so easy it would just be so easy to just like, you know, like, let's just stop suppressing the little OCD urges that pop up. Like, let's intrusive thoughts. Like, yep. Let's let's just not let's let's just let it let's just lean into it. That guy's <laughs> doing it. He seems like he's having a pretty good time scrawling these diagrams on the sidewalk. I got some fucking diagrams in me <laughs> to be sure. Like, yeah. Do you, do you get the urge to just scroll a diagram on the sidewalk? I don't. 
But I mean, you know, it's, I, only, it's only one or two steps away from your your regular. I, I bet if you didn't make Kingdom of Loathing, that urge would be a lot stronger. You think? Yeah, or, or like, I mean, being able to being able to in my work just do whatever I want is awesome, right? Uh-huh. Because maybe, and we'll get to this. Maybe even though it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm exercising demons, maybe the starting conditions of the universe have just decided that because I am not living on the street scrawling diagrams on the sidewalk, I'm doing this instead. And I prefer this. Exorcising or exercising? Exorcising. Okay. Now think about it philosophically, like in terms of what, (laughs) when we use the word decision, when we use the word, when, like when we talk about making a decision that if that is to have any meaning at all, like as a as a concept and has something you think about um then thinking about the universe as a as 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 I logically believe it is as a, a completely predetermined system like a completely physical system um it just obliterates that whole concept and so well, it makes it it if, collapses cause and effect into effect and other effect right <laughs> i mean there's no there's no prime mover. Well, there's still um well there's no there's still secondary or tertiary. Warp. There's no mover, right? Oh. Th- <laughs> well, okay. Oh, so there is sequence. We can have that conversation too. There is um, sequence but not cause. Uh like I'm trying to work out like why I am okay with the idea that like be- believing that I am a machine with no free will. And it's really just that like I still the the illusion is just complete enough that I'm willing to buy into it. I mean, a little bit like suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't have, like, the universe has decided that I believe that I have free will. The universe has decided to make me nervous about that. Yeah, like, Thanks, because, universe. The, because the, my, like, the human ancestors who realized that they didn't have free will and got all depressed and just laid down to die because why do instead anything? Of, instead of fucking each other and resulting in me. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I've been playing Hitman Go. Yeah? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> What's I like the it. point, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's uh, like a shitty what? version of what? Lara Croft Go. What made you decide to pick that up? <laughs> I, li- I liked Lara Croft Go, and I was like, I want to see what these guys did before that. What do you mean shitty? I mean, I just mean not as good. It's not bad, but it is like almost exactly the same game, except not as refined. Because hmm. um, there are definitely people who would argue that it is actually a superior game because there's so much more possibility space on any given level. Tell me more. <clears throat> well, so Lara Craft Go was extremely linear. There was a single there was a solution, solution whereas... Hitman Go has multiple solutions with varying degrees of efficiency, and you can get yeah, um, that's true. It's achievements or or little little boons for for doing it the best possible way. Or there's multiple objectives. There'll be the the little suitcases, and you can choose to go for that or not. And that's more interesting <clears> than <throat> the did you find the weird hidden objects? Yeah, yeah that's that's a way better the, that actually margins of this level. I like that a lot more than tapping little jars. So it, so that I is mean, that, that is more systemic, right? Like there's more there are multiple objectives. The rules for the autonomy them. of the actors are wider. Well, the rules are the same. It's just the the puzzle design that's wider. I think. 
there there get to i don't know how far you've gotten there there's seen i feel like there are a lot more varieties of opponent in yeah, maybe hitman go but it also like it was also around for a lot longer and had three or oh, four a bunch of new levels added to it oh yeah yeah i didn't know that i just i just got them all at once right exactly um i just found it to be too difficult because i did not i could not internalize what, the, what yeah i could not understand happen. what motivated the guards and i you know yeah again i mean it's maybe it's because oh this is a stealth game so i'm bad at it this laura croft one is an adventure game you know like a well except that the systems are the same yeah it's just yeah, like fundamentally except that like in one of them it's i mean it's a lot clearer to see a spider and remember how spiders act than see a guy in a yellow shirt versus right. a guy in a red shirt or yeah. a guy in a blue shirt i really dig the the board game aesthetic of it though yeah that was cool um but and that was something I wanted to talk about too. Like I last when we talked about uh, Lara Croft Go, I talked about how it would have bounced off of me if if it were abstract, just, um, just a bunch of or if squares. I didn't dig the aesthetic and like if this were a game by Diego Catholifold. I, I don't know who that is. The Arcane Towers. Too, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty abstract. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is a this is kind of a, a little test of that idea, where. Um, I, I think the Hitman aesthetic, like, is much, it's much less interesting, at least to me. Mm-hmm. I also think it maps much more poorly to this kind of gameplay. Yeah. Then, like, true. the, in Hitman, like, you were, you were supposed to go, like, you're, you're moving through human spaces, and presumably if you have a reason for taking out this target, um, and, in the in the video games in the console games you um all the people around you like act like people and they talk and it being much more it's it's much more abstract in this game where you don't really have any motivation for like killing this person other than that they're wearing a red shirt uh whereas Lara Croft Go like it conveys everything you need to know just visually like it's it's a lot more obvious why you would go into a cave and retrieve treasure right um, just, just from the visual storytelling, uh, and I, I was, I really dug that game aesthetically and, um, it also makes sense that there would be weird mechanisms yeah. that m- shift pieces of the walls around and stuff, which <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, trying to map that onto something like, oh, this is a gate that you can open and close. It just seems a way more button that's across the building. And the button looks limited. like a key. So yeah. it's like thematically, it's supposed to be a key, but. It just opens the door immediately, which sometimes lets an enemy out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's. I'm, I mean, I, I liked it. I liked it enough to. I think I beat every level. Um. But it felt kind of like I'm just going through the motions. Hmm. Um. And I don't think I would have played as much of it if I hadn't like. If it wasn't exercising a skill that I already kind of had from the other game. I'm it, curious it if I went back to it. That like Larcraft Go was almost sort of a step backwards in complexity, uh-huh. which maybe that was a complaint that they had gotten about Hitman Go is that it was it was too too much going on. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they care about somebody whose experience was like mine, where I you know I bought it, so they don't care if I played it. I mean, I guess theoretically, on some human level, they do. Right. But uh, they would also care if you like or makes it makes you less likely to buy the sequel. Yeah. 
It's weird. The theming didn't draw me to either of them because mm. I don't have any affinity at all for either of those series. What about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Well, sure, but I don't like. Lo- uh, like I'm not going to buy it. Draws tom- a lot from that, right? Sure, I'm not going to buy a Tomb Raider game because I like Raiders of the Lost Ark, though. Like, I did not really know that. Yeah, okay. You know what was amazing? Was watching uh, Casablanca for the first time and seeing how much of Raiders of the Lost Ark was just taken right from that. Hmm. Just, like, random miscellaneous scenes from... North African bar. Yeah, from around town. That's interesting. I had assumed... I mean, I had always heard that about, like, 1930s serials. Yeah. Um... I didn't know that about Casablanca. Like Count That's Chocula. What was that? <laughs> like Count Chocula. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, they, I guess we uh, still Viscount Chocula. Then, did right? Count Chocula Arch- ever go Duke away? Ch- Archduke like, Chocula. Yeah. <laughs> Admiral Crunch. <laughs> like I saw on display. He got demoted in the 80s. <laughs> I saw. Uh, a- you, have, you have fucked up the roofs of the mouths of too many enlisted men. <laughs> I saw in a. Uh, on display in a grocery store, like Count Chocula and Boo Berry and a third thing, and I, like I, I was wondering, like, didn't one, didn't those go away? Didn't those like they stop making those and are they reintroducing them now? No, or? well, they come mm-hmm. back every year for Halloween specifically. They, okay. I, but I thought for a long time Frankenberry, Boo Berry, I think went away and came back. Hmm. I think Boo Berry was uh, regional. Hmm. You could import it from India. So sometimes it was booberry season and sometimes it wasn't, depending on where you were. <laughs> right. Hmm. Anyway. Have you played anything, Kevin? I downloaded a puzzle game uh, called Hocus, which is by the folks that made Rope or Rop. Oh, yeah. And it's okay. It is not as as clean and enjoyable as that one was. This is a game where you are a cube traversing the exterior of sort of weird Escher-like structures and trying to get from one place to another through geometries that don't actually make any sense. Like Monument Valley kind of? or the Monument yeah. Valley, those things looked weird, but they were comprehensible spaces just from a weird angle, right? Like these are, these are impossible okay. shapes that you are using the fact that they are impossible to actually get from one side of an object to another side. That kind of was thing. that game that I hated so much that Terry Cavanaugh made? Oh. Somebody's Quest? Nissa's Quest or something? Something like that. Ugh. It was like, let's take this horrible aesthetic from like that uh, Solstice NES game where it's like uh, isometric. You can't tell where anything is. And make a game out of the right. things that are confusing about that. There are levels in, like, there are bonus levels in Mario 3D Land where it's fully isometric, so it has that problem, but but you can tell where things are if you turn on the 3D. Mm. Ah, yeah. yeah. Which is a weird trick to pull, like... But... Midway through a game. What's up? Like, th- midway through a game or something? Uh, it, 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 it does it for, like, <laughs> a couple of levels, a couple of times, times in the game. Hmm. Oh. Naya's quest, N A Y. Okay, yeah. Anyway, that's all I've been playing. Basically, I, I picked up uh, the latest Plants vs Zombies two update. I've been playing through that those levels. They're hard. Hmm. 
but are you are you still are you playing them with no power ups and stuff? Yeah, you? usually. Okay. Still it, like challenging in an interesting way. Yes. Yep. They they keep adding new <clears throat> mechanics, uh, and this this particular set of mechanics is definitely challenging and forcing me to try a bunch of different strategies. What is it? Time. What is it? Add. <sighs> so this is the I think '80s neon mixtape world. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and. They just have a bunch of, so like there are zombies, which, uh, so some, sometimes there is a board state where music is playing, which sort of causes the zombies to have different, um, behaviors. And in that state, there are zombies, which just kick, if they get up to a plant, they just kick it back instead of trying to eat it or interact with it. Uh, there are zombies that have a sort of area attack and just one hit destroy anything that's in the like three squares or the eight squares around them, which is incredibly strong. If you don't deal with them very quickly, there's a, um, there's a, a zombie that pushes on an arcade cabinet and eight bit little zombies sort of emanate. So it's like a little monster emanator, which is relatively new. Is the arcade cabinet a feature of the level in a particular spot or is he carrying it? It's it. He's not, carrying he's sort of pushing it in front of him okay um so it comes on from off screen Mm. um just a bunch of things like that the the big gargantua like giant zombies have like a an attack when the when the music is playing that uh just destroys the next plant ahead of them regardless of how far away it is so just a bunch of things that make it much more challenging um yeah just little like and they're, they're nothing independent like individually it's not not all of that all that impressive but like you start getting those in combination and it's i think it is a testament to the design of the original plants versus zombies that they are still able after years and years and years to keep coming up with new ways for those elements to interact with each other yep yeah and they're they keep coming up with new plants and that do different things and world effects that are cool and do you like level up in that game or do you just have to get better as a player? You acquire new plants that become available to you, like in your repertoire, but you don't necessarily get to use them. You have to, ch- you still have to choose them. Yeah. Right? You're the number of plants that you can take into a level goes up as you do things in the game. Right. Although it maxes out pretty fast. Yeah. There's, there's like, there's like seed slots. Um, right. Okay. One of which is always just a pay to get this access, to this slot. Um, and all of those things happen really early in the game. Like, the, like that's in the, the first world or two that you sort of get all of the like power up type. Uh, you just delete games. that and reinstall it and play it from the beginning in its current. I would, yeah, I would definitely recommend that because they're the, they linearized everything. It's, it's just sort of straightforward. Um, there's a couple of really hard worlds that I think would be frustrating, but so, yeah, uh, I, that is, and you know, it's one of those games where if you just don't pay them anything, it's really hard, and that makes it fun for people who like challenge. Yeah, I was sad. I mean, you can go listen to the back episodes about this. I was sad at people's response to Plants vs. Zombies too, because I feel like people were so mad that they released a free-to-play game that was a follow-up to a beloved original game mm-hmm. that they didn't pay attention to the fact that it was actually really well-done free-to-play. Right. And that made me sad because like I want to live in a world where people believe in well done free to play games. I'm, I'm hoping that the fact that they have continued to add content to it for years now means that 
it's still bringing in enough money to support that. Like I mean, EA owns it now, right? Yeah. So I mean, they would have just they would have pulled it when iOS nine came out if it wasn't making money. Right, you'd think, right? Because right? they, I mean, they've done that with stuff, right? There's a lot of games that have been pulled yeah, over the yeah, past just couple weeks. Vanishing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wasn't there something in OS nine that caused a lot of them to break, and they decided that it wasn't it wasn't worthwhile attempting to fix that particular game? Or Apparently, whatever? yeah. Yeah, games are fire and forget unless they're like service games, right? Um, that was one of the things I really liked about Flash was that you can still run Flash one animations and apps in the most recent flash player really if you have it you can't run it in a fucking browser anymore right exactly well that's the thing like that was what was amazing about flash as a vm for 15 years and with flash going away there's nothing like that nothing remotely like that does unity not work that way at all unity is a lot more finicky to get things working across platforms and presumably like i haven't actually had personal experience with this but i bet it breaks from old old version to new yeah yeah i i flash like the only reason that flash is dying is because it's super insecure or is it just that people sort of fell away from it as a development Uh, the the arguments i keep hearing are from the security crowd yeah Okay. Also, just it's it seems hugely bloated. Now it's not a good fit for phones. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. And that was a huge part of it too. What have you been playing, Riff? Uh, I spent the past weekend playing the shit out of Lego Dimensions. Uh, T- tell me what that is. So, like I okay. heard about this as like a Skylanders, but yes, with Legos. It is. It is Lego's response to Skylanders and Disney Infinity. Um, it is, it is, it's basically the, the, the basic TT games, uh, Lego game concept again, you know, you've got, you've got your little Lego characters and you're running around in third person environments, switching between the characters to use their different abilities to solve puzzles and smash all the furniture to collect, uh, Lego studs. And then you spend that currency on whatever that stuff. particular game provides um the the twist for lego dimensions is that your little uh, the little characters you're using uh you have each one as a as a physical uh, lego minifig on an rfid base mm. and the uh, the base set comes with a uh a, a stand or platform that you put them on and putting any given minifig, uh, well, any given Lego Dimensions minifig, it doesn't it doesn't work with just standard Legos, of course, because you mm-hmm. need the little RFID tags. But putting a putting a guy on the stand causes that guy to instantly appear in your game. Um, Don't they also like bring along vehicles or something yeah, the, or whatever configurations? They, they also have they also have vehicles. Um, like okay, so the base set, the the theme, the plot of this game is sort of like uh, the plot to the Lego Movie, where all the different uh, characters from all the different Lego universes and properties are banding to b- together to defeat a villain who wants to do- destroy every universe, right? So you've so the base set comes with Batman and Gandalf and Wildstyle from the Lego movie and also Batman's Batmobile. And uh 
the way the vehicles work is slightly different from the the minifigs. The minifigs, uh, 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 they have like whatever abilities they start with, and that's it. The mm-hmm. vehicles are the what you are spending the uh, the studs you gather on because you upgrade their abilities as you go, and then as you reach two different margins in that upgrade path the uh the vehicle itself gets a uh, gets a new model the when you when you buy when you buy a figure pack say like uh, i bought the uh besides the base set i also bought the portal 2 pack uh which comes with a chell minifig and a uh and a turret which serves as a vehicle she like rides on the back of it and it gallops around and it's really cute uh and a uh, companion cube uh, object which is not not really a vehicle but it, it has the same rules as the vehicles um and the when you un when you unpack this box of legos it doesn't have instructions for how to put together the vehicles instead when you when you first put the the chell figurine on the rfid base and she appears in the game the video game then gives you the instruction book for the for the vehicles that she comes with, and so you're following along, flipping virtual instruction book pages on your screen, building the the physical model. And then when you have upgraded, say your turret or your Batmobile past a certain space, it will suddenly say, "Okay, this thing has upgraded into." the portal the portal turret mark 2 or the batmobile tank and it gives you a new set of instructions for you to disassemble the model and reassemble it into another thing uh and they're really interesting engineered they're uh they're pretty cool models but also because they of course didn't want you to have to have a bucket of unused parts sitting next to your TV set they've engineered them such that every one of the three models for each vehicle, yeah, uses exactly all the pieces. Oh, that's clever. There's those little things that are always available, like, as stocking stuffers, mm-hmm. that are, like, the little plastic bin Lego sets that can be made into, like, three different little vehicles, and I'm pretty sure those tend to use all of the pieces yeah, for yeah. all of the models. Yeah, so, it's cool. And they've obviously got a team that is good at doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the the fit the physical integration of the models into the game is also pretty cool because uh, unlike Skylanders and Lego Infinity which which is just Disney. like a single base that you put the figure on and now the figure is in the game and you don't otherwise interact with the figure the Lego ones have the Lego uh, base platform has seven spots on it divided into like three regions and throughout the game as part of like solving puzzles or dodging enemy attacks you'll have to physically move the figures around the different regions of the panel hmm. which is which is fun and and fortunately the uh the power cord running from your ps4 or xbox one to your couch is long enough <laughs> that you don't have to sit in the middle of the floor um but yeah, it's it's uh it's really it's really fun. It's it's the best implementation of the TT Games Lego game formula that I've seen. Just the it's really gorgeous on the new uh consoles and the the writing is really good. Like for example, I I 
don't I don't know whether they actually got Chet and Eric in to write the dialogue for the Portal Two sections, but whoever they got to write it, uh, it fits in perfectly well. And they also when they they must have spent a ton of fucking money on voice acting because they they went and got every voice actor that they could possibly get uh, into the studio to voice these actual characters. They got like Elijah Wood to voice all of Frodo's lines and they got all three of the the voice actors for Portal 2 and just the list of of actual people coming in to reprise their classic roles is ridiculous. Um, this is sort of like a like we were talking about the concept of a game mixtape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sounds kind of yeah. like that. It is very like that. And and they they play that up uh, completely because there's uh, just a, a ton of stuff, just the, these different characters from these different worlds interacting, and they do it really well. Like GLaDOS in the Portal 2 sections gets really pissed off at the fact that you've got Gandalf in, in solving a, an Aperture Science uh, test puzzle and cheating <laughs> because powers, he's got yeah. magical powers. Yeah, and uh, the the Batman that you've got in the uh, in the base set is is Batman from the DC Universe uh, series, not the Lego Movie series. So when you go when you've got like the sections of the game that take place in Lego universe, Lego universe, Batman is also there and (laughs) is, is kind of a dick to regular Batman and just all these crazy things that happen. There are, I remember Lego Batman, the bat. No, that was one of the games that was back before they had speech in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does Lego Batman talk? He does. He does talk because he's Lego movie Batman. Oh, okay. Okay. And and just and those games have had like speech that. for a few yeah, years. Yeah, they've had speech yeah. for a while. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's super fun. the The downside is that it's expensive. I, um, I heard that it was like over four hundred and fifty bucks to get to get absolutely everything. If you get it, you don't need absolutely everything. The way the the way purchasing works here, okay, in the in the uh, in the regular Lego games, right? Every every character has a different power. So like. Batman has a grappling hook and Wildstyle can double jump and Gandalf can manipulate things with magic, right? And in the normal games, the 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 previous games, you'd see in the early levels, you would see doors that you could could not unlock and collectibles that you couldn't get because you didn't have a character with that power yet. And what that and what that means is just eventually later in the game you're going to get a character with that po- with that power and you'll have to go back and replay the early levels again if you want to get all the collectibles in Lego Dimensions every character is an actual physical minifig so you don't get new characters just through the course of the game so when you see in a level like if you see a door that's made out of shiny gold bricks and you go up to it, a little sign pops up saying, you need a character that can shoot a laser that can cut through gold bricks. Here's a list of all the characters that can do that. And it does not literally say to you, maybe you'd like to go down to the store and buy one of these characters. But, I mean, obviously... That's it does what, ask what that's your credit what card information is, and yeah. no, it, ship it to you. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't actually mention money at at any point. So it 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 uh 
it does not um it never uses the word buy but so do you it, is, it does do you get stuck then if you no because all this stuff is optional you can okay. you can play through the entire base game with just gandalf and Wildstyle and batman uh but if you want to collect all the collectibles then you need to go get some other guys with some other powers uh and there is a lot of overlap between the powers like most guys, most characters have three or four different powers and and the the set of possible powers is not large enough that there are a lot of uniques there are a few uniques cuz like um uh Venkman from the Ghostbusters set is the only character that can trap a ghost right and unikitty from the lego movie set is the only character that can manipulate rainbow colored blocks but the no the number of powers that only are possessed by a single character is fairly rare um and there are of course already lists on the internet that you can find of here is the list of the minimum amount of money you can spend to collect everything in the game hmm. um and i but that's just also for season one or whatever, right? Like, because they're going to have a next year. There'll be a whole lot. Yeah, next set year there'll stuff. be. I don't. I don't know what the plan is for next year. The it may end up being an entire new base set and new game next year, because uh, just from looking at the menus, the the number of spaces that they have, because on on the menus when you go to select a set of levels or a a free roaming uh, world the ones that you have not unlocked from buying characters are there. They just have question marks. And so it seems like a static number of question marks. So presuming that they add more properties and more, more characters and more levels in Lego universe two, it's going to need to be an entire new menu, you know? Right. Um, and, probably if i if i don't miss my guess they will probably come up with they will probably sell you a new base plate and a new a new story to go with it because the part of part of the deal with the base plate is that you're also buying you're buying this RFID base plate but you're also buying $30 worth of legos to build on to build this structure onto the base plate it looks like a big uh uh, uh um, stargate stargate yeah that's what i was looking for thank you and it's it's pretty cool actually because it come there are extra bits that get slotted in the back and so forth and at points throughout the story you get instructed to you know your characters have recovered this piece unclip this thing from the back of the fi from the back of the portal and stick it on the front where it goes hmm. and the initial construction actually is is worked into the storyline because you start out with just the the plain base panel and then at a certain point in the early game, the characters like find all these parts and then it pops up the instruction book on the TV <laughs> as you building the portal as the characters are doing it. And this sounds really cool. It is really cool. It is really fun. And, uh, I, I definitely recommend just, just buying the base set and maybe, and like the portal level set is fucking sweet. And the, the enjoyment like the degree to which you have the willpower to not care about buying extra figures just to unlock collectibles and unlockables is the degree to which a person will not be bummed out by the amount of money that it could potentially cost. You know what I mean? Yep. 
So, uh, but the the Lego content is the or the Portal content is really sweet, and I definitely re- recommend that. The base game is super awesome, um, and the as you play through it, like the the base storyline, the the main game storyline goes through all the properties. Like every chapter has is of another world. So you go through like the portal world and you go through the doctor who world and the doctor who world was super interesting. So I will probably buy the doctor who pack when that comes out. Uh, but other than that, you know, I'm trying to keep a firm rein on not buying <coughs> figures that I don't care about just to unlock doors that ultimately I will also not care about, but right. I am, I am buying figures that, or properties I like, like the the little golem figure is pretty cool. So we should uh, get onto the assignment before we all fall asleep. Yeah. Okay. So this yeah, assignment until my phone runs out of battery. The beginner's guide. Uh, I was not able to play it because uh, it kept crashing on me every time I tried to boot it up, and I couldn't figure out how to fix that. So, I, huh. but I don't want to. I don't want to stop you guys talking about it. So. Did you did you watch a let's play? No, I didn't cuz I kind of okay. want to play it unspoiled. But yeah, we're going to we're going to spoil the fuck out of this spo- in this discussion. Okay. Well, I could uh I could take my earpiece out and Kevin could text me when you guys are done talking about it. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Okay. So I I will be back in a bit. <laughs> let, let me know when you're done. <laughs> yeah, what did you uh what did you think of this, Jim? Um I it took me a long... So, a thing I liked about this game was that it made me think really hard. And one of the first things it made me think is, like, do I actually like this or not? That was that was basically my first question as well. Yeah, and I came to the conclusion that I... Yeah, I do. I but, like parts of it. I like I like the the sort of the the ideas of it. And I, and I, I actually really liked that it made me think about all these things. Um it made me reflect a lot on my own experience. I don't know that I actually have much to say about the game itself. Sure. So it starts out, I mean, the criticism that is being delivered of these games, it seems like he went out of his way to start out real wanky. Like, uh-huh. here's this thing you made that was a Counter-Strike level, except check this out. There's just all these random, like, blocks floating in the air and stuff. Uh, that is a real personal touch. Like, he really went... Like, no, that's just, like, fucking around. Yeah, like, there's a guy, like, testing the tools. Like, yeah, and and that was like, uh, okay, is this a... Ju-? Like, at that point, knowing nothing about it, it was like, right. is this, like, a gag about game criticism? It kind of is. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I don't... I mean, this was kind of... One of the things about this game, and one of the things about the Stanley Parable, and maybe about Davey reading as a person, is that they kind of deflect criticism by never actually saying anything flat, like, clearly. Like, the Stanley Parable, like, it was... It did a bunch of funny things, and it made you think, but it never actually took a position... Right, and the same with this. It's just it's just sort of meta for the sake of being meta. Well, I, I, no, I, I, I don't think it's for this the one. Sake I feel like meta. is he is trying to get more at ideas, and it, there are a lot of things that I feel like he might be saying, like he might just be uh, going after people who think too much about about games. But I don't think that's actually it. I think like 
So, to what extent do you think that this was actually an exploration of his insecurities about creative work? And to what extent is it like an affectation? Like, to what extent is it a, a fictional story about that? Like, I don't know it's the guy. It's so I, hard to separate those, right? Yeah, I I think him putting himself in the game was very deliberate, like, in, to make you ask that question. Right. And I, I didn't really buy the emotional payoff at the end. Yeah. Like that felt very flat to me. Yeah. Well, I think that's just him being a bad actor. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did. Um, and like I had, I did not interpret this game as actually being about a real person, which a lot of people did. And I don't, I don't think there is actually a coda. Um, but the intent of that ending that I read was that it's trying to make you feel bad for being complicit in this betrayal. Um, and I think that I did feel that to some extent, and I think I would have felt it a lot more strongly if I thought it was really happening. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't, it had a sort of a, a hollow note to it throughout because it just didn't feel like, this was actually a body of work that somebody would have produced this. Like it felt very much like these are some things that I've built to tell a story about what this would be like. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. Like that's fine as a conceit. Sure. Like it just requires the, it just requires the player to sort of have multiple minds all at the same time. Right. Like, yeah, but so I mean, it reminded me in some ways of like Fear of a Black Hat, which was like this comedy sort of rap mockumentary in the 90s where there was just like a bunch of fictionalized events about this rap group. And in doing so, like making fun of a bunch of different like rap and hip hop stuff over time, like it's fine to play around and construct a series of fictional things and present them as though they are a real thing. And that's kind of a time honored tradition in film. Mm -hmm. And this was, this was a lot more like a movie than a game, right? There wasn't anything for you to do really other than go where you were going and, and hear the things that you were going to hear. And I mean, I didn't bother at all trying to poke around because I, there was not a lot of there was not a lot of payoff for doing so, so. I mean, I trusted him when he said, "Nothing happens if you read all these." Right. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, I saw. I was tried to read them all just because I wanted to read them all, but then I looked back and saw one that was really far away that was still glowing that I hadn't read, and I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. And I didn't bother. I never saw these three dots. Everybody's talking about what do they mean? And there's like the. 14, 15, 16, or whatever, Devil Tower Star. The bar is named after the fool. You guys, there's so much hidden. The bar is named after the fool? Yeah, the bar that you go to that has the, in that white level, that then has the stairs down into the crazy. That was neat. That was a really neat space that could sort of only exist in a video game, or I mean, in a movie. Right. (laughs) It could only exist in any visual medium, really. I did. This game made me feel really grateful about a lot of things in my own life. Like that I don't feel any of that. Like if Davey (laughs) feels any of that for real. Well, and I feel like, but feels what, right? Like that insecurity about 
creative work. Yeah, that's that's. I think this game is in large part about that and about him feeling that hard about him, like like how the fuck do I follow up the Stanley Parable? Yeah, and, and it's and, like, and how how can I possibly be as good as this person that I admire? Um, and I think that's what like a lot of my friends on Twitter were gushing about this game, and I think that was because they took that stuff. They, they they that resonated with them so strongly, hmm. um, and that's my interpretation of that anyway. And like that just made me feel really bad for all my friends. Yeah, like that's a shitty life. I was imagining you playing this, yeah. Jim, as as I was playing it, and imagining that you probably felt pretty similar about it. And I was trying to figure out like why. So the the, the the reason the that reason I felt- that I can definitely say that I do not feel like the narrator of this game feels about the kind of creative work that we do is that I think there are there are several things that I isolated. One I don't do things that mean anything or contain any of myself. Like <laughs> I feel like if I have something to say it's life is bad but you know what's awesome? Puns and skeletons. Right? That's pretty much and drinking. That's the artist statement, right? Yeah. B, I work with people that I really like and work well with, and I feel very well supported most of the time. And I'm not trying to make these giant high production value things that cause me to have to work too much. Yeah. And, and, and suffer. And the third thing is that I didn't start making a living doing creative work until I was a fucking adult. So, right. Like, I was trying to imagine what things that you and I would have in common about her experience of this. And those three were sort of, I mean, Frog Fractions is largely about puns and skeletons. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like you, you would not characterize Frog Fractions as like a baby that you gave birth to by putting all of your deepest fears and insecurities into it and putting them on display and no, like I mean, if your it, self-worth is not tied up in how people feel about it. Uh, no, you to, want to them a small like extent it, it right, is but like I, you can't, you can't, I don't you think you can good receive as much. I don't think you can receive as much sort of praise and admiration for that work and not feel like now part of your identity is wrapped up in. Yeah. If all it. that stuff went away, that would suck. Right. Um, but, but it like, wouldn't have sucked if it had never occurred in the first no, place. You'd have right. been fine. Yeah, you know? uh, that would have been like like I I would be proud of the thing I did, and probably like like two of my friends played it and liked it. That's cool. Um, and yeah, no, I I I'm generally a pretty happy person, and it has very little to do with like what people think of my work and I, I that I think that is in large part why I like kind of bounced around from medium to medium and only made like anything worthwhile in my 30s yeah because I feel like people who are driven by that sort of thing were like very serious about it in their teens and um I was just like I'll I'll do this thing because it's fun. Yep. And when it stops being fun, I'll stop doing it. And like one of those things happened to hit it really big. Um. And 
following up on that, like Draken wrote uh, a blog post recently. Yeah, it was so good. Really good. Really incredible. Uh, about um, we'll have to link to this in the show notes. Definitely about how he made Starseed Pilgrim basically by accident. Like he was just fucking Kept around. What with, if instead of yeah. He was what just next, or? fucking around with like, well, the, the, the phrase he used was what if rather than if when I finally. Okay. When I finally, um, yeah. He was just fucking around with these ideas and the one led to the other and then he made a, a really cool, big, like important thing like as a result of that. And that's exactly how I made Frog Fractions. Um, and he's. Talk, the blog post is about like what happened to him when he tried to follow up by doing a big important thing on purpose, mm-hmm. which like is or just an entire thing on purpose was sure. really like yeah. it seemed or, like it was about like he, you know with, when he set out to make Starcy like he didn't set out to make a video game he set out to like oh what if there was a platformer where you planted the platforms and then <laughs> right. it just by the time he was done having fun with it it was a game yeah. Yeah. As opposed to like setting out to make a game and thinking these are the things that a game needs to have. These are like, you know, this is how big it needs to be. This is what it needs to be in order to follow up. I mean, you got to be dealing with this. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I, I'm not going to go into detail for obvious reasons, but like, I. Um, for the obvious reason that the beginner's guide is, in fact, Frog Fractions uh-huh, too. Yep, that one. Um, but like, the process of making Frog Fractions 2 has been so different. From the process of making Frog Fractions one, um, that like I, I had to work through a lot of shit, um, and a lot of the shit was just like realizing, like, and I already knew this on an intellectual level that I'm never going to be able to create like the follow up people really people crave, you know, I, to some extent what people it's because crave that doesn't exist it, yeah, already like, exists, right? Because it's. It's the wondering what the follow-up Go is. play Fez. Right. You know? <laughs> Go. I tried, but I couldn't get past that second jump. <laughs> yeah. Go, go play. I, oh, I got, is, that, is, that, is that true? No. Okay. I, like, if you tried to play Fez and you couldn't do the platforming, like, if you're someone who likes puzzles, go find someone who likes platforming and play it together. I am. Mm. Um, I couldn't play Fez because I I found the map incomprehensible and oh, yeah. I was completely overwhelmed by not understanding how the space was laid out and I just didn't want to play it anymore. Like uh, it's not yeah. that I couldn't play Fez, it's that I didn't like Fez because of that. Because the map was bad. I wish there had just been a menu to go to individual levels. Yeah. Yeah, no, I well, I think the confusion is part of that point of that, but sure. yeah. Well. Yeah, I it's it's something that like I've been I've been working through and like it's I'm not sure how this really ties back to the beginner's guide if if it does but like my reaction like I I I'm clearly not motivated the same way that so many of the people who play the beginner's guide were it seemed to really touch a lot of people in a way that I just didn't I didn't have that same like, like a experience. lot of people that you know who are game devs yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A lot I, of people, I, a lot of people talking about how they sort of they started crying at the end or yeah. or whatever. And I was I was just sort of relatively unmoved. Yeah. What's what makes this extra interesting is that this story is in part about um, not understanding the motivations of another person. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it is. It is actually really successful 
on a couple of levels, right? Because it, it does have that, that sort of narrative arc about the relationship between Coda and, and fictional Davy that is actually really compelling. Yeah. Um, and just if, if that were the whole game, I think that would potentially be a really potent thing, but it's also got this other sort of, sort of secondary meta level of discussion about artist and fandom or yeah. game creator and player and what that relationship is all about. Um, I, I kind of wish this was a more of a, I don't know, a genre. Like I, I love the idea of somebody I, taking other games that you play, but having you like I, guiding you through other games, I like not see, a let's play. Yeah. I want to see more criticism of games um, by diving what? into yeah. using dev tools while not, you're playing the game, talking about what makes the game good, and then being like, "Here, do this now. Let me change something and then try it again." Like yeah. that would give you such a, a such a stronger appreciation for for the choices that have been made. And yeah. and and well, the, what, what what made me think that was like a lot of like bedroom indie games, like really low budget stuff, stuff that's just like not very polished or even unfinished. Um, most of that just doesn't work at all. You know, it just like 90% of the time you'll hit a game breaking bug instead of being able to advance to the end. Um, but a lot of that stuff is super interesting from a, from a design intention standpoint. And that's the only way you can fairly critique those games is by like actually digging into the design and like analyzing it, not from a player perspective, but from like, from the designer's perspective. Right. And, like the the idea of like digging into like that video games are almost the only medium where that even makes sense like you can when you look at a painting you might say things about what the artist intended but you're still like getting all your information as a viewer like unless there's like a documentary of the making of the painting right or you take x-rays which people do actually. Like I've seen some of those. Trying like, to understand the very specific like when, process of creation. It was interesting though because I don't feel like the, I mean, you know, in the sort of narrative conceit of this is he made these things that he is then applying a sort of criticism about what it means to these things, right? So this isn't what you're talking about. It's just the idea of what you're talking about. I kind of, yeah. And, and also, like, I'm not sure if he's not shitting on that idea. Yeah. Like, because it doesn't, I mean, it is just literally up its own ass, right? <laughs> I mean, making and then making something and then doing a voiceover wondering what it might mean is like definitionally up your, up oh, your own man. ass. Like, <laughs> And so I mean, he maintains, at least so far in public, that there is actually a coda, right? Like, which seems absurd to me, but, you know, maybe, I guess. That's, I feel like that's really unlikely. I'm, I'm trying to think I've, I've met I've met him a couple of times and I'm trying to decide whether or not I feel like he would lie about that sort of thing. And I think maybe, yeah. Like for purpose of for for effect, you know. I sure. met him and the Barkley shut up and jam Gaiden guy the same at the same party, and mm. I can't split them. Like I know which one is wh- like the like the Barkley guy is 
four times as tall as Davey, but like, I, like the conversations that I had with them, I can't. Yeah. 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 I remember at that time being, having a lot of arguments with people wherein I enjoyed jazz punk so much more than I enjoyed the Stanley parable. And because they came out around the same time, they were getting all of these comparisons drawn between them. And it was like, everyone was just so sure that like the Stanley parable was this big, important, meaningful work. And jazz punk was just some stupid joke bullshit that didn't deserve to be paid attention to. And I was like, yeah, but it was way more fun. And like, I wanted to see everything there was to see in jazz punk. And I didn't trust the Stanley parable not to be deliberately wasting my time. And like, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I had some obnoxious conversation with him about that. I gave up on jazz punk when the spiders arrived. Yeah. Well, you didn't get to poison the cowboy. Oh. Shall we? Uh, shall we summon Riff back? Sure. Yeah. For the I, for the goodbye. For the finale. I'm really glad that I played this because I like talking to you guys about it, and. It made me feel really good in contrast to the subjects of the game. It's like moving to a poor neighborhood. Yeah. Like, sometimes I remember that I'm tall, and it's great. No, or like, I don't know, you go to a bar in a poor country, and you can pick up chicks by saying that you have shoes. Mm. I've never had that happen. Oh, okay. Did to tell them? They're blonde. They're so poor. Well, you don't wear them in public. You get mugged. Uh, Oh, right. I've got like about shoes at home. Do you want to come back to my? mm, I should admit that I have a van. (laughs) With shoes, we're probably done spoiling stuff. We got a van, van full of shoes. Do you want to fuck? (laughs) Uh, I don't know the shoes. What kind of shoes? Are they are they sexy shoes? Are they sexy ladies? Well, shoes? it's it's more like the economy in what, Portland huh? is bad enough that wait, like having shoes is a signal of being extremely wealthy. Your oh. implication, Riff, is that you would want to fuck sexy lady shoes, but you would not want to fuck like a floppy hobo shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I I would I'd have to that. see the shoes. I, I I'm open to the idea if they were sexy enough. Okay. I think we've all learned something that <laughs> I wish we hadn't. I mean, I never have before, but you know, I mean, how can I know? The, a hypothetical is not useful for a yeah, if the for, shoe for fits. a question like yeah, if the shoe fits exactly, exactly. So it's not it's not like you really have a choice in the matter anyway. That's it, right? Yeah. See. See. Yeah. Yeah, it's entirely possible that I have all sorts of fucked up fetishes that the universe has not decided to reveal to me yet. That's true. You may just not have seen the uh, the correct shoe. So, yeah. so is uh, without spoilers, is is it worth my time to continue to try to get this game to work? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not it's it. not a significant time. Yeah, investment. it takes less than a couple hours. And I think all of us were very pleased by the amount of thinking that it prompted. But I also think that you would get most of it out of a let's play. Really. Okay. Yeah. There's there is not a ton of interaction per se, hmm. but right. I think and you like you like watching let's plays all the time. I, this I, is true. I feel like I I always want to be in control. I, this is this is like a let's play, honestly, riff that you get to play instead of watch. Mm. Okay. Which I that's the kind of that's the kind of entertainment that I I want now. 
Well, I'll, I want. I'll fiddle around with the settings some more, and if I can't get it to work, I'll I'll watch a watch a video. Yeah, I want I want a smart commentary that plays while I'm playing Metroid or something. That would be kind of. Oh, you want to play Bastion? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I want is the is Bastion, but with developer notes instead of the narrator or something uh, that would be like i i love when that when games do that sort of thing when valve put yeah, little yeah. commentary notes in a lot of their games i i, I ate that shit up yeah i always wanted to but i never got past the first few screens i never got past the first few boards uh-huh is that you couldn't make the second jump took too long or uh i just realized that i didn't want to just immediately start playing the game that i had just finished again yeah and i did never go back to it with enough time having passed yeah did you guys ever watch dvd commentary tracks mm-hmm. sure yeah, once in a i while. would very often yeah. watch a movie and then immediately watch the movie with the commentary that's something that i miss i don't deal with dvds anymore i just stream stuff uh netflix does not have anything like that right yeah which is i think that's a, a deal with the dvd people so that there's a I reason be surprised. For you like i've also DVDs. like the few times I have dealt with DVDs recently, um, they haven't had commentary tracks, and I looked it up, and apparently it's just done the Blu-ray stuff now. Mm. Oh, interesting. For the most part. Commentary tracks are, like, they vary hugely in quality and, yeah. like, what the content oh, yeah. is. Like, Ones that I can recommend are Conan the Barbarian, mm. uh, which just has... I was going to say Jack Nicholson, but what I, of course, meant was Arnold Schwarzenegger and the director of Conan the Barbarian just getting progressively drunker and (laughs) just not, they're not, they don't seem like guys you'd want to hang out with. (laughs) That's really off-putting. The Goonies commentary is pretty good. Like, they brought, they brought them all back and they're kind of on video and you can see, like, what they're up to. The, uh, there's a. Go on. Uh, there's a commentary track for Dark City by Roger Ebert. Oh yeah, I'm just oh, wow. a massive fan of that movie. That's really yeah. Cool. I remember him being obsessed with that and never not quite getting it. Oh, it's such a good movie. I love it. Right, it's movie. good, but it's not like Ebert's movie of the year good. But I was just thinking about Dark City the other day because I drove past on the way back from like camping in Mendocino. There's a beach called Shell Beach, <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> like a couple hours north of the city. There's uh, a any movies by John Sayles, if they have commentary tracks, are all really good. The movie um, Rules of Attraction has, like, six commentary tracks, which has got to be a record. And one of them is just, they got Carrot Top to come in and watch the movie <laughs> and talk about it. I think it's his first viewing. Uh, huh. Wow. That's funny. That's a, that's a, that's it, a gimmick. It is, well, it's, it's funnier in concept than in practice, but yes. Is that movie any good? I was I was watching it with a girl many many years ago who st- who just m- turned it off in disgust and so I, then I just never saw the rest of it. I, I liked it, but like it wasn't great. Um, is that the Al Pacino? No, no, it's a Brett Easton Ellis. It was it was a no. book that he wrote in addition to American Psycho. It was um, it had a Topher Grace in it. I don't know that name. The, for Eric from that 70s show. <laughs> I don't think so. He was in traffic. I, I, I wanted to say, like, the guy from Dawson's Creek was the protagonist. Okay. Um, There was one really amazing sequence in that movie, which is um, a split screen shot of two people getting out of bed and going through their morning routine. And um, they eventually meet... Um, 
in uh dual POV shot. So like they're both looking at the camera in their respective split screens. And then um the cameras both pull back and the shots merge into one. Hmm. Which I, I really liked that sequence. Um and it's the only thing I really remember from the movie, other than Carrot Top making a rape joke. In his commentary. In track. his commentary. Right. Yeah. Like, during one of the movie's many rapes. But there was at least one, probably more. Right. And I think he was saying, like, she looks like she's enjoying it or something. It's pretty unpleasant. Wow. Who would have thought Carrot Top wouldn't be? <laughs> Would not be PC. <laughs> What's our next assignment, guys? We're going to play Undertale. Yay! Yeah. Objectively, the best PC game of all time. Yeah. yeah apparently I'm so. excited. It's I want to play the best good. video game ever. I'm stuck yeah, on the boss. You, uh, you're continuing to play? That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, is this game going to make me feel bad if I just want to fucking fight stuff? No. Nope, Riff? I don't think so. I, I think that's. I, 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 I think the, that the pacifist ending is probably. Uh, I don't know for certain because I haven't finished my first playthrough, but. Uh, I, Are you playing I, it pacifist? I, I am trying to play it pacifist, and I imagine the pacifist ending is probably the best ending. But I'm, but uh, a non-pacifist ending, I bet, has its own ending. I, I, there's got to be like an ending, a pacifist ending, a kill everything ending, and then a middle of the road ending. A kill some things, but not yeah. everything ending. I very much just so you guys know, in where I've it is extremely important to me that west of loathing be completable without any fights but i do not want like i want that to be a big pain in the ass hmm. and i don't want to like overly reward the player for doing it that way yeah it's, it's, it's definitely it's a, a game pain about in the ass in undertale stuff. it gets hard because if you're playing pacifist you don't ever get any more hit points because you don't level up so, oh. so it becomes super tough do you do you end up having to like die and reload with more player knowledge than you had before is that how you make progress or um i guess i mean if you if by player knowledge you're counting like experience in how and what attacks a thing is going to use and how to correctly dodge them well but aren't, i mean i haven't having not played this at all i thought i thought the pacifist options always had to deal with like correctly navigating a, a conversation tree uh it it does but the the what makes it difficult is the the dodging sections when it's the enemy's turn to attack. Oh, I see. Okay. And are, those are like little mini games. Yeah, they're like little themselves. bullet hell dodgy. Okay. Yeah. No need. Okay. Well, hey. guys, this has been great. Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail for the segment that we call listener's mail that we do every single show and always have always, how would they do that? They would go to our website, videogameshotdog.com, and they'd look for the web form there. If someone had told me Undertale had bullet hell segments in it when I was bitching about it being a JRPG and how I'd hate JRPGs, like... Didn't we mention that, that totally previously? Have, maybe you did, and I forgot. But, like, I, that totally would have, like... listen to you. Whenever you talk, he just puts <laughs> his fingers in his ears. <laughs> I, that totally would have just, like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play that. That sounds great. I think I think Riff, when you asked that, Riff was like, "What don't you like about JRPGs?" <laughs> right, they don't have enough bullet hell in them. Right, and that was the problem: is you didn't say that. Right, guys, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number two hundred and eighteen of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we record another one next week. And I bet we do. And listeners, I'll bet you join us. And if you don't, and if you do, and 
Until then, <laughs> keep your foot on the sink and keep cleaning the chair. Good night, everybody. Have a great week, everybody. Till next week. That one Charlie Brown cartoon where Charlie Brown and his son open a salvage yard right. that they operate out of their house and they have all these wacky misadventures until their dad comes home and says, wah, 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 wah. Wah 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 w